Network, and this evening uh, I'm joined by Ariana. How are you, Ariana? Not too bad. Um, rested after the quad series. I think we've got a bit of a taster of what the World Cup's going to be like. And as much as I like watching international netball, I am not prepared for the early morning viewing sessions. And you know, very exciting announcement. We have a new member of the over a third team. So uh, welcome to Steph, who's joining us for the first time tonight. How are you tonight, Steph? Good, thank you. Very excited to be here. Um, not quite as recovered from quad series, but very glad I'll be there in person and not have to deal with the time difference. <laughs> I am so jealous of the fact that you're not going to have to set the 2.55 a.m. alarm repeatedly during the week and a half that is going to be the Netball World Cup. Yes, I'm very thankful to be avoiding that. It was brutal, but worth it, but brutal. Ariana, you're thinking about going back to New Zealand for the week and a half so that it's a slightly better time zone, aren't you? Don't even tempt me. It worked so well for me last year. Well, yeah, last year, but I don't I, I don't think that sort of two-hour difference is going to make too much of an impact when it's still five in the morning. <laughs> Five in the morning is so much more palatable than three in the morning. We found that out in Com Games because those were like four and six a.m. kickoffs, and it it really does make a difference. I, I will die on the hill that like three a.m. is the absolute worst possible option. Okay, yeah, because you can't really stay up till three or not go back to bed at three. It's just an awkward time. Yeah, I mean, I found staying up all night, all day after that uh, quite tiring have some regrets but you know it was worth it to uh watch the diamonds win the quad series um and on that note we might get back to said quad series um and talk about really just the last couple of games i think or i guess we'd talk about the whole series because we, we haven't really done that we kind of just previewed it but it's it, it was a pretty exciting series on the whole but i think australia and new zealand definitely looked the best of the four sides. Without a doubt. Um, I have a lot of faith for the pro tiers, a lot of blind faith, one could say, um, perhaps un unsubstantiated faith <laughs> um, that they'll pull it together. But uh, without a doubt, New Zealand and, and Australia are really, really continuing to make their mark at the top of the, the INF table. <laughs> So if you're saying you've got lots of faith in the Proteus, does that mean that you don't have faith in the Roses, Steph? I think that the Roses have a lot further to travel, um, mainly based on team cohesion. Um, I don't think that they know where their combinations are working. I don't think they know who their starting seven lineup is. I don't think they know who half their team is <laughs> um whereas South Africa um I think the turnaround with Norman Plummer being back in the fold has really lifted them the journey they've traveled in such a short time has been phenomenal um and I reckon the plum will keep that tra trajectory going Ariana you and I talked about the fact that we didn't think that uh the Roses had settled on their starting lineup did we no, and the answer is no, <laughs> <laughs> which is not helpful now a few months into the World Cup. Hopefully, you know, this quad series has allowed them to sort of finalise who they want to have, but it didn't really look like they did. Yeah, I think if I'm the Roses selectors, I am further from selecting a World Cup squad now than I was a week and a half ago before the quad series. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely agree with that. And I feel like that's really not how the quad series is supposed to work. I feel like the whole point is to to get that experience against, you know, the best countries in the world and not throw yourself further away from the World Cup title. Yes, especially because it's pretty unlikely that any of these teams will play anyone else internationally until the World Cup. 
So they really have quite the headache and it's not the sort of headache we usually talk about when it's like, oh, who will they pick? Everyone's so good. It's more, who will they pick? Are they screwed? Well, I think we know that, you know, there's at least seven or eight players who should be on the plane to South Africa from the Roses. I think we can say pretty confidently that Hart and Housby, Cardwell, if fit, um, and that if it is mostly about Joe Harton, who we'll talk more about later, but also, you know, pending a super netball season for all three of those shooters. And then Fumi, Fran Williams. Is there anyone else that we're booking a spot for on the plane right now? Leila Gusketh? Yeah, I, I think I think Gusketh and Mentor have got their tickets, even if... Um... You know, perhaps that's a questionable um, thing for the selectors to have written down, but I think they have got their tickets. I think Fran's most likely to still be having a question mark over her, but to be fair, I'm, I'm not 100% sure who else might be knocking at the door. And um, I think that's sort of how I feel about mentor. I think not to go too far off the quad series, but both her both her performance at quad series and the game she got against Jamaica I think saw a bit of a resurgence of her form and I think it really showed that she's still in my opinion is still um probably the Roses best goalkeeper as a goalkeeper um who's trained as a goalkeeper putting aside Fumi who's a star everywhere Um, and I don't know who's next for I, I don't think there's anyone absolutely ready to win a medal at World Cup more than um, that could knock Cheever off that, that plane ticket. I think you're probably right, but there's a big question mark for me is that if Cheever gets burned the way she got burned during the Super Netball season last year by all of the international shooters, because let's face it, there's a good chunk of them playing in uh, the Super Netball competition. She gets burned by all of them. Can you take her in knowing that she is going to struggle? I mean, you, you talked about the fact that there, there maybe isn't a better option, but going into a World Cup squad with a 36, 37-year-old goalkeeper, you're like, well, she's not the worst option we've got. It really <laughs> doesn't fill me with confidence as a strategy. Yeah, that's that's fair. Happy happy to be in the diamonds camp rather than the roses camp because, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and I don't think we've booked anyone on the plane from the midcourt yet. I feel like it's it's really up in the air, the midcourt for the roses. And you know, as we've talked about, no more international netball before the World Cup. I'd really like to have my midcourt worked out by now, not be like. Mm. I don't know anyone that I'm guaranteed to take. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's, um, I don't really see Clark Metcalf being left behind. Um, again, sort of the, um, not necessarily that they have 100% really stamped their authority on those positions um, to get to World Cup, but um particularly my one in perhaps point though would be around Clark like I think her experience is phenomenal I think the way that she tears up the New Zealand zone is worth almost that alone worth taking her um when you think about you know if England get enough of it together to really be competitive in those final in the finals with World Cup um potentially you're looking at Clark to tear up that that New Zealand um, zone. So I think those two will be there, but yeah, uh, you know, the midcourt and the next next uh, next generation of midcourt for England should be a concern. Yeah, I mean, I think if we think Nettie Twitter are uh, on the brink of riot about just a bit the moment, if they don't take Jade Clark, they might actually break the website in response. <laughs> I see the headlines now. And, and I know Nat Metcalf is the captain, but this quad series only gave me more questions about her. I mean, we know that she's gone back out of the Super Netball competition. 
And since then, really, on the international stage, she has struggled. She has not been able to find a way through the way that we were used to before while she was playing Super Netball. And I think she's probably lucky that there isn't a wing attack knocking down the door in Super Netball League or SSN or ANZ that, you know, could claim her spot because I think she's probably got it purely because there's no one else. Um, and I say that knowing that Elle McDonald is walking towards the door to knock on it. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I 100% agree. I think the Metcalf really, really got value from being in SSN. I mean, everyone does. <laughs> it's the best league in the world. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, the I think there has been a bit of that uh, decline uh, in her performance since going back to uh, the Roses or back over to the UK and their league. And um, I guess we should probably talk about the two better sides in the quad series because um, there's a fair bit to talk about there as well. And um, are the Silver Ferns in trouble or, or can they get Australia if they need to? I wouldn't say in trouble. I think something needs to be elevated, but I don't necessarily think the inclusion or exclusion of somebody who was in this quad series team is necessary. Um, I think they just need to do some some hard work over the next few months. And yeah, hopefully they've got the gold. Grace Nuecki is the most unstoppable weapon in netball second maybe to Janiel Fowler like we can we can flip a coin um, I wish she was I wish she was playing over here so much one of my uh friends and I we like to think we coined a term uh which is the f off full forward um because this is a mate who I transferred across from footy loving to netball loving. <laughs> um, and Janelle Fowler is our original uh, F off full forward or Foth. And uh, Nuweke is definitely the, the Foth apparent <laughs> when we talk about it. So she's uh, definitely definitely a star that has risen, no longer rising, I don't think. Um, I think she's fully, a, well, there's more to go, but she has stamped her authority as a star of the sport. Yeah, when I see some of the feeds from the Ferns, um, I always think there's a, a meme from the NFL from Joe Burrow, who's a quarterback. He has a, a favorite receiver. And during the playoffs last year in a press conference, someone asked him, you know, what were you thinking in that play? And he said, oh, F it. Jamar's up there somewhere and just threw it 50 yards <laughs> down the field. And sometimes it feels like feeding Grace Nuecki is F it, she'll get it. Like mm. she's in there somewhere. She can get it wherever it is. It's almost like she has magnetic hands. They throw the ball and she just goes. Absolutely. And I, that's one of the, I think it it's the same with, with Fowler, like the way that they make any pass look good <laughs> um, because they will, they will pull that ball in um, really does a lot of value to their, their teams and the people around them, but absolutely they've, they've got strength uh, through a lot of, a lot of their, um, hands, body, <laughs> take a lot of hits, pull in a lot of those, balls. Those two in particular, sometimes it gets lost because of how big they are and how much size they have. But they are so much more than just large goal shooters. You know, they're both incredibly nimble when they need to. They both really understand how to hold the body against the defender to kind of protect their space. And it is sometimes easy to just think, oh, it's just because they're tall. But actually, Grace is already developing some of the fine arts of becoming an elite goal shooter regardless of how tall you are absolutely and I think if it if it was actually just about height um you know there there are other players who play I think Albert's only one or two centimeters shorter um and while Albert is a class act herself she is not Grace Nowicki or Janelle Fowler like there is spades of difference between them so it's definitely not just about height. There is absolute skill and practice and um, that has gone into the making of, of both those players. And yeah, Grace was an absolute star <laughs> throughout the quad series. 
do have a take that's going to get me in a bit of trouble because I think that one of the things that has come up in the last quad series and in the Constellation Cup and in the most recent quad series is that in the big moments, Stacey Marinkovic has beaten Nolene Tarua in the coaching battle. She's made the better sub. She's been more effective in her decisions in the tactics that the team plays and in the players that are on court have been more effective. And I know we talk about Dame Nolene Taru as a Nepal savant and everyone thinks, you know, she's got it all planned for the World Cup. But so far it seems like when Stacey Marinkovic wants to have an answer, she has an answer. Definitely. And I think she should also have the confidence of fans instilled in her in the way that Nolene does. I think she's very deserving of it. And we saw some of that during the quad series. It's amazing to think of the uproar when she was announced as the Diamonds head coach um, and how far we've come from there where she's won, you know, everything she's had to since then. It's one way to shut people up. Um, one thing I would say about Knowles and New Zealand, I do, I do think there are some questions around the late changes, as you as you sort of alluded to, Dan. That Knowles made didn't really leave time for impact, left it left it too late in the game. But um, I think one of the best things that New Zealand have going for them is an upcoming season of Jane Watson and Karen Berger playing. <laughs> Again, um, I think as my understanding is that was essentially their first games back. I'm sure they've been doing training and obviously been in the Silver Ferns camp, so they weren't taken just for fun. They were obviously at a level that they could clearly perform, um, but they're only going to get much better uh, over with an actual season of competitive netball under their belt. Um, and so I am still quite a little bit nervous about New Zealand and the form that they will be in from World Cup uh, as an Aussie Diamonds fan. (laughs) Um, Especially because they have a much more extended team training camp prior to the World Cup than the Diamonds will have because I think the Diamonds only have like 16 days between the grand final of Super Netball and the World Cup starting. I think there's like five weeks for the ANZ Premiership. Wow. That is phenomenal. <laughs> Do they have not... less rounds? I think they have less rounds and I think okay. they're starting earlier. Yeah. Um, and of course, Netball Australia and the Super Netball this year have not gone with condensed midweek fixtures for probably in the interests of player safety, I think. Uh, but it you know does have to come at the expense of something and that something is the time before the major tournament. On a personal note, I'm not mad that the midweek netball isn't happening. I don't want to say there was too much netball, but maybe it was too much netball. Not mad. I, I think the word I'd probably use is stoked that there's not midweek netball because <laughs> I, I need my nights just for everything else. And like I can't have netball taking up two nights a week for three weeks out of the season. It already gets my weekends. Ah. I often had the conflict of having to choose between watching the Vixens or going and playing my own game. Um, <laughs> it was a very hard choice. You exactly. Should, yeah, that should be a requirement. <laughs> and um, before we move on to talk about the Diamonds, there is one thing that we haven't talked about. Um, that toss-up. <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's hear the thoughts. I was, I was so tired. <laughs> I was, I didn't really know what was going on and I still don't really know what's going on, but I'm sure Steph has some thoughts as someone who will know the rules a lot better than I do. Look, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not an umpire. I, um, you know, do a bit of bench officialing and coaching, but certainly not an umpire. But when I was watching the game, I also had a moment where I was like, did the goal go in? <laughs> Um, and then, you know, as a viewer, I had the luxury of the replay to be able to see that it did in fact go in. <laughs> but certainly, 
you know, in the calamity of the moment, <laughs> um, but completely missed, you know, seeing what was happening. Um, I think it is phenomenal <laughs> that a toss-up occurred in a final on, you know, the quad series. Um, but I do think that part of this conversation needs to recognise that um, the umpires we have in SSN, the best league in the world, are still volunteers. They get very little support and even that support is some of the best in the world um, in terms of standard compared to what other countries are able to provide and what the INF can provide. So, you know, we need to like we need to recognize that I think as part of this situation and actually say well if we don't want that to happen again we need to be investing in umpires we need to be help I don't know how but you know investing in other leagues because that's that's what they're umpiring each week or and getting them to more international tournaments getting them the mentors whatever the solutions are investment desperately needs to go that way and until that happens we're going to keep having questions around umpiring. That's my monologue. I think it also raises some serious questions about world netball and the rules that they continue to have, because at this stage, we have, you know, elite professional athletes playing netball. The fact that they have to turn to an umpire and claim an injury or fake an injury to be substituted out of the game is somewhere between ridiculous and degrading. Like the, these are athletes who are part of tactical decisions. We all know it. Mm. They're highly paid. You know, they're not fragile and delicate. They don't, you know, oh, I need to come off. My finger hurts. Like, no, I'm coming off because it's time to make a substitution for the, us to win the game. Why we still have injury substitution boys, right? And in that situation, why the umpires can't use a replay to determine what the hell happened. Like, Everyone in the room, other than the umpires, knew what had happened. The commentators were practically ready to open the windows of the commentary box and yell out to the umpires what had happened. Like, <laughs> can we not start to take advantage of the resources? You know, this is an internationally broadcast game. Let's act like it. Like, I get that, you know, on a Saturday sideline down at the local netball courts, you don't have the benefit of instant replay and you might need a toss up in that situation. But this is watched by thousands upon thousands of people in multiple countries around the world. They all had a better view of it than the umpires did, and that can't continue to happen. Yeah, I, I do think that um, there should have been perhaps a, a conversation with the reserve umpire. I, again, I'm not a 100% expert on that part of the rules, but the reserve umpire does have a role of helping to indicate the next centre pass. So one would imagine they were watching the goal, they were ready to indicate whose centre pass it was. Uh, having the ability or the wherewithal or the thought to consult with them could have solved a lot of um, even, if not, even if they don't know and they need a replay, like I can tell you like from sitting in media boxes that like there's a screen with the broadcast in most of those media boxes. The scorers have the screen, like have a screen there. The commentators have multiple screens. Like there are broadcasts in the building. If we're not sure, let's look at them. Like at the NBA, they they have a screen that they turn around when the umpires need to check. The referees need to check whether there's a foul or not, and they you know can go frame by frame to work it out. And I'm not saying that you know netball should go down the path where every little contact is reviewable. But if you're in a situation where the umpires are genuinely not sure. Let's fix it. Come on. At least, thankfully, it didn't impact the score, really. I think more people would be mad about it if it did impact what the score was. I know I would be. It would not have taken me this long to get on my soapbox if it had impacted the <laughs> results. Netball karma worked it through. Yeah. But it's probably also worth talking about the winners of the quad series, and that would be the Aussie Diamonds. Um, who did it in style quite convincingly um, and missing two of their best players in Gretel Buetta and Joe Weston. 
Um, and that did open the door for the debut of Tara Hinchliffe, which is really exciting for her. And I thought she was pretty good in her first and admittedly limited international action. Absolutely. It's always exciting to see another Diamond uh, debut. Um, sadly, uh, the live broadcast did not necessarily actually allow that for viewers who were <laughs> up bright and early waiting for it to happen. But um, I believe that the, you can now actually watch it <laughs> properly. Yeah, the, the replay, but, in fact, does, because I watched the replay yeah. that game and I can tell you we got the debut moment eventually. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> As Tara deserves. <laughs> Um, but looking at the diamonds, who were you impressed with that um, you thought played really well? I think Steph Wood is back. Steph Wood, I'm back on the Steph Wood train. I was never off the Steph Wood train, but I think she was having uh, a not so good time. But now she, but obviously she's having a good time now, and I, for one, am very happy about that. But that's more as a Lightning fan than mm-hmm. a. Australian born person. <laughs> I, really, I really enjoyed Paige Hadley. Not that it, her performance was necessarily a surprise, but I think um, she obviously went to Con Games but didn't get to play um, more than a couple of minutes. I think she just got on for one game, if I recall correctly. Um, so to actually see her really, really. Sh- to me, ahead of Com Games, she was my starting centre. Um, and I think to see her there at Quad Series, really owning that centre bib, really showing that connection to both ends of the court. Um, it was really great to to see her in, in full form fit and, you know, being being a diamond. And it's, it's probably worth noting that she didn't have, um, you know, I don't think she had a turnover. I think she had one series in the final. One, sorry, in the final. I mean, that's (laughs) that's pretty impressive. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and yeah, I think it's it's phenomenal. And it's like, you know, we obviously walked away with gold from Com Games, but um, you know, to think what we could what we could achieve again with with Hadley there, um, with such such a clean game is very exciting. And I think for me, I was really impressed with Sarah Clow. We we know that she's excellent. We know how good she can be, but we don't often get to see her play the full 60. Um, We don't often get to see her play the full 60 at goalkeeper with Courtney Bruce in front of her because normally Joe Weston is there and they kind of split the duties between the three of them. But the way that she handled Grace Nowacki, the way that she handled El Cardwell and really just the way that she seemed unfazed all tournament was really impressive to me. And Grace Nowicki, like Janelle Fowler, is one of the players that you do the work early and the payoff comes in the fourth quarter and the third quarter when there's frustration, when you've got the feeds kind of just on the edge of range and, and that's where it goes wrong. And she put in that work early to get those kind of turnovers late in the game. Um, and I think that actually that lineup of Bruce and Clow to me is, and I know that this is crazy, but you know, I think about putting Joe West in wing defense at times and playing that as the defensive duo because they really are incredibly good back there. Absolutely. I think it, you know, again, Australia is very lucky to have the situation where, you know, we've got world class. <laughs> world-class performers uh, that can step into any of those positions. But um, absolutely, Bruce and Clow are a dynamite duo. I think seeing Bruce continually be played in goal defence like, and continually playing series after series, I don't, I don't think she's had a break from Diamond's duties. Um, it, it, she also really impressed me to see her in, um, you know, not, I'm sure it's not an unfamiliar position. She's obviously played there quite a few times for the Diamonds, but it's not, it's not the it's not the position she plays in week out, week in week out, and she still was phenomenal. I mean, taking the names of Helen Houseby and Amelia Reynekanazio, doesn't mm-hmm. right for the CV as well. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I was so nervous when 
Joe Weston wasn't in the squad to have anyone go up against Ekinazio. And um, Bruce, you know, smashed it. And on the flip side, was there anyone who you're less sure about after seeing the quad series? I think the question really just is who who nabs the shooting spots? I don't think um, if Gretel comes back to claim her spot, <laughs> who who gets dropped, I think, is the question. Um, but I think, and I think also I would personally really love to see Wallum really try and snatch a bib away, but I think the four that went have proved their medal. Uh, it's it's going to be hard to um, take it away unless um, unless Gretel comes back. I mean, I, I could see a scenario where we take four shooters to the World Cup and Sophie Squared is not on the plane. Yeah, I um, would argue that too. And I think there's a possibility that even if Gretel doesn't come back, if Danelle has another season like she did, she can start to push Sophie Garbin for the second goal shooter spot. I think if Gretel's on the plane, Danelle's not going because Gretel's going to play goal shooter. And I cannot see Danelle overtaking Gretel if Gretel's fit and healthy. But would we be that shocked if the final shooting group of the four that goes is Kip, Wood, Conan and Gretel? That would have been my guess. If Gretel was playing, that would probably be who I'd pick. Yeah, I I think... think... Sorry, Dan, I was just going to say, I think that potentially Sophie might also suffer from going back to Collingwood and being pushed out to goal attack, which... um, you know, wasn't necessarily a problem for her performance in the quad series and um, the previous series she got to showcase in that she clearly could still perform as a goal shooter. But I think a middling season as a goal attack <laughs> doesn't help your case to get selected into the Diamonds for a 12-person squad to World Cup. We are going to talk about that every <laughs> single week of the Super Netball season. I can already tell. Why? <laughs> We did, Ariana, I reckon it was almost every week last year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think as long as I persist with it, I'm going to be doing it again. I reckon Naya Allen's going to absolutely steal that bib, but um, yeah. If Naya Allen steals the bib, do we just assume Sophie's not going? I mean, if she's coming off the bench mm. at Collingwood, there's no way she can start for the Diamonds, right? No. See, right? I'd even like go I'm not as crazy thinking that. I'd I'd even go as far as saying like if you're not playing this position more than 50% of the time in your domestic competition, I feel like you might not be the right person to go play that position for your team internationally. Unless you're Gretel Boweta or Courtney Bruce. Okay, fair. Or Tilly Garrett. Because at some point, Tilly Garrett's going to be pushing for diamonds and she has the unfortunate position of being stuck behind two of the 10 best defenders in the world. Mm. Um, I think that's when you have to start making the decision to move. That's a fair point. But I think we have the answer to the Braz Parmy question. Um, I think those of us who who thought Palmy didn't do anything at all possibly wrong in her exposure earlier on, felt she was a bit hard done by not to be on the quad series plane, but after Brass's performance, I don't see how if healthy Brass is not on the World Cup squad. I agree. And I think, um, again, you know, poor Braz had gastro at the start of the series. Um, and I think even, uh, you know, by the finals, she- clearly got her hydrolytes and <laughs> was back uh, feeling better. But I think even even so, she had a little bit of a quiet series, but was still for her, if that makes sense, like a quiet series for yeah. her, but was still phenomenal. So imagine, you know, a Braz without gastro. <laughs> Is there anything Pami can do to get on um, that plane? Wait until Braz retires. 
But that, that's not going to get her on the plane to Cape Town in True. five months. Uh, feel the plane. Unless she learns how to play center, maybe. Even that might not be enough. I feel like one year, well, not even one year. I feel like three months is not enough time to do a major positional switch to get into the diamond. It's pretty hard done by to be, you know, the best wing defense super netball two, possibly three years in a row and still not be getting a look in at the diamond squad. That's a pretty rough go. Maybe she needs to become a dual citizen. <laughs> no, we absolutely need her for when Braz retires. In then she months. can come back. <laughs> I, we're going to talk about it later, but I think Braz might be one of the players who retires after the Netball World Cup. But mm. I think we've also established that the uh, midcourt group is pretty set now. Are, are we established that that's the five names who are going, regardless of how good Maddie Proud or anyone else might go this season. Yeah, the five they seem, names. Yeah, they seem Sorry. pretty happy with those five names. Yeah, I can't see Kim Rav or Kelsey Brown or Maddie Proud breaking in from how far back they are at this point. Yeah, we have the best wing attack in the world as our captain. Sorry, Maddie Proud and Kelsey Brown. <laughs> you, you're not going to crack that. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's another example because Paige Hadley plays a lot of wing attack for the Swiss. Mm. Um, doesn't play a lot of centre. They usually get proud to do that. So it's interesting that she's the Diamond's best option at centre, but they've decided she's the Swiss' best option at wing attack. But, you know, that also can be the other way around and that's you know how do we fit someone like Hadley into our team not she's not good enough to play wing attack yeah it's probably more she's so good where's our weakest link and then put you on the spot a little bit who's the MVP for you from the Australian group over the quad series you both look terrified <laughs> and the, the sad thing is I literally wrote this too <laughs> Steph Wood, but I think maybe I'm biased. No, I am biased. Steph, are you going to say Liz Watson? No, though uh, I think she's definitely she's definitely in contention. But for me, it was it was Bruce um, for the reasons I sort of said earlier. With yeah, just being kind of more quote-unquote out of position, but still absolutely nailing it, shutting down New Zealand's um, captain. Yeah. For me, it was Bruce. I think I'm with you. I think it was Bruce, just, you know, the ability to do all that she did all series long, really not put a foot wrong. It was massive. And uh, maybe time to talk about a couple of injuries that we um, we have an update on. And I guess the first one, the big talking point is Joe Harton, who left early. Back in Australia, knee arthroscopy confirmed by the Giants. Um, this saga is just, it's something else, isn't it? It is such a trail of breadcrumbs. And I, you know, I'm just left wondering, like, was England not allowed to talk about it until the Giants signed off on something? Um, it's just bizarre. Like, why did it take so long for well, for Joe one to leave the squad, but and get the treatment she clearly needs, um, but two to have any kind of communication, and then yeah, for it to finally come from Giants rather than England, which to be fair, she was quote unquote back with the Giants by then, but it was just bizarre. But twice in the last few months, we've seen the, the Roses pick Joe. Mm -hmm and then release her from the squad or not play her at all. And um, she's not the only player who, who's been in that position. I mean, we've, we've seen a few players be in that position with England Roses and what the hell's going on? It's <laughs> just sorry for the bluntness, but like, why are we picking injured players who can't play? Why are we keeping secrets about players who aren't going to be fit? You know, what's the gain of picking these players? Absolutely. 
scare the other team. Yeah, I mean, fair. I think when Harden and Housby played uh, Jamaica and they were on song and really clicking, it was a very impressive duo. Like that is the H2 of old that that won a bloody gold medal. Um, but but um, yeah, um, Dan, you have very, very fair questions. It is bizarre. And I think it's also just, you know, if England hadn't have selected Harton, that doesn't mean she's not going to World Cup. Like she's playing and she's clearly a feature of their lineup. She's going back to play SSN. They could have actually done some um, legacy building isn't the right word. Um, like future, really get to Sheen onto the stage, get another shooter in there, get George Fisher in there, whatever's happening she with her. From New Zealand, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, put her in the roses and you might lock her away. Exactly. So give that spot to someone, even if it's, I mean, yeah, as we, as you said earlier, England has more questions than answers after quad series. They may as well have blooded some other people. And I think for me also the comparison is to the way that Diamonds handled Liz Watson when she was injured Mm. and really Joe West as well. But we saw while Liz Watson was injured with the navicular fracture that she was still around the group. She was still involved almost as an assistant coach, but there weren't ever any questions about her health status. And Mm. I just wonder why New Zealand didn't go down the path of either the Liz Watson or the Joe Weston path, which is, you know, declare a player out, leave them home, bring in a replacement, blood them. Um, It just seems to me like there's something off about this England group that they can't really put a foot in either camp and they're trying to almost pull the wool over everyone's eyes about these injuries. Mm -hmm. But then what do I know about running teams? The answer is nothing. I'm not a high-performance coach. Let's be really clear on that. I'm not suggesting that I'm more qualified than anyone to do this. You hit it here first, guys. Dan is going to be coaching. You know what? I'd love the challenge. Um, I feel like I would not make a lot of friends on Netball Twitter with my selections. (laughs) And we've seen kind of some uh, social media comments and, and a bit of an indication from the Firebirds unofficially that at this stage, Gretel Boweta, um doesn't have medical clearance to consider a timeline for a return to netball. Um, and, and that's basically the, the only position that we have. And um, we, the Firebirds have asked media, fans, supporters, and stalkers to respect the Boweta family privacy and you know not push it and we'll get an update when we get it. And, and the Firebirds don't exactly have a track record of these things, but um, I think it's safe to say that um, a player of stature like Gretel Buetta is not going to be snuck onto court five minutes before or five minutes after it's announced that she's back. I think we'll we'll hear about that well in advance and until then we'll just kind of sit and wait and see. Yeah, I think we, I'm sure the whole netball community shares that they hope that Gretel's doing well and hope that we do get to see her back on court one day, but um, obviously getting the support she needs. Yeah. Just hope that she's um, on the mend soon. And then we've got a fair bit happening now. So quad series is done. We'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to international netball in, you know, a few weeks when we start to think about who the diamonds are going to take to the world cup. But until then, We do have some international netball, sort of, because the New South Wales Swifts are heading over to New Zealand to play the Southern Steel and the Central Pulse. And now, I think you two know a bit more about this than I do and and what's going on here. So um, let's have a chat about what the Swifts are going up against at the Steel and the Pulse. Well, both teams have a bit of a collection of current and former Silver Ferns and some Silver Fern uh, potential players. The Steel have Kate Heffernan, mid-quarter of the tournament, the quad series, and then Shannon Saunders and Sam Winders, so quite the hot mid-court. And they also have George Fisher, who we talked about earlier, um, player who's definitely fallen off the radar 
but hey, the Roses might need her again. Or she might end up being New Zealand's own <laughs> import. Who knows? And then at the polls, Kelly Jury, love Kelly Jury, uh, Maddie Gordon, a Whitney Sooners, and also Tiana Maturo, who we might not see in the Silver Ferns for quite a while, I suspect, but she was someone who we were talking about this time last year. Yeah, and then she kind of blew the doors off her international debut a quad series 12 months ago, but it does feel like Amelia um, Renekinasio might have used the goal attack bib as security on her home loan. Um, that's how security is with her at the moment. Yes, definitely. She could potentially be the future of the Silver Ferns, but I suspect we will not be seeing her back in the black dress for quite some time. And for the for the Giants fans, we've got Christiana Manua, who now plays in New Zealand, obviously. So she's played against the Swifts a few times before, so she'll have all the secrets, I'm sure. But sadly, probably also won't be stealing a black dress <laughs> anytime <No>. soon. <laughs> yeah, something about uh, Watson, Berger. Manua, you know, it's a fair way back in, in that pecking order, I think, at the moment. Yes. Um, I think I'm really excited to see George Fisher and um, her goal attack, um, who I suspect will be Tui, um, eventually. Um, I think that, yeah, Fisher has had some very strong connections, um, but still had a good season last season but I think they're looking obviously to improve they didn't come away with a win and went in that grand final am I right in that yeah it's been so long <laughs> um, um so they'll be they'll be wanting to push that back but I think that that goal attack will be a key sort of linchpin so that's what I'm looking forward to watching is Fisher and potentially Tui really stamping their mark I really love this sort of mini tournament as a concept because it's not often that we get to see Kiwi teams play against the Australian teams other than obviously the Diamonds and in the Silver Ferns, but it means a lot of the Kiwi players aren't playing against anyone outside of New Zealand until they're going to proper international netball. Um, so, yeah, it's it'll be very interesting to see how those two teams go up against a relatively good team in the Premier Domestic Competition. It's a little reminder of what might have been if the ANZ Premiership had stayed trans-Tasman for, you know, a bunch of years longer. Um, we're approaching super, super netball season eight, so it's a while now, but there'd still be some remnants of players who, who did play in that trans-Tasman comp. And, um, that will be interesting because the other thing is it's the first chance we get to see... Um, the Swifts back in action since their season ended in quite possibly the most crushing fashion possible with Collingwood sinking that super shot to knock them out on percentage. <laughs> um, for those who uh, have forgotten, um, we don't expect Sam Wallace to be back, I think is the, the current understanding, which means that we might get to see Romelda Aiken George, which be nice to see her back from her maternity leave um and i think yeah ariana's right that it will be really interesting to see how um you know a team that is expected to contend in the the world's premier netball domestic competition as, as we're told um goes against the two new zealand sides i think it'll be Especially. very interesting to see who swifts are, are putting on court and particularly if yeah if Aiken George goes across and is getting more time than, say, Sophie Fawns, um, potentially a really interesting indication of how they'll start their season if if Wallace is still rehabbing when SSN starts. Yeah. And we're going to have the week off next week, which means that the Bendigo tournament um, that is next weekend will happen before we are back, but that tournament looks like it's going to be a good bit of fun as well. And hopefully we'll learn a few things about some of these teams because the Vixens, Thunderbirds, Lightning, Giants and Magpies are all going. Is that right? 
the magpie's going. Definitely. The other four. Yeah. But it will be a lot of fun to see how they all go at Bendigo. And um, Tarauken last year was good fun for, for the teams that were there for a couple of days. And hopefully Bendigo is some nice netball in regional Victoria as a, a little bit of a warm-up for the 2026 Commonwealth Games. Hey. Absolutely. The home of netball, Bendigo. <laughs> I think Ballarat's got the Com Games netball, but you know that could uh, be wrong. They're much mm. the same. <laughs> <laughs> someone will come for me for saying that. Yes, yeah, as, as someone from New South Wales, I wasn't brave enough to say that, but I'm glad someone else said it because I was thinking it. Hey, I'm a regional girly, so I feel like maybe I can say it. Maybe. <laughs> But that will be something fun to look forward to, including the first taste, hopefully, of El Cardwell at Super Netball level. Mm. Um, always exciting. And we'll get to see how much vengeance the Vixens have in their hearts, bodies, and souls after last year's crushing grand final defeat. Sorry, Steph. It was fine. I didn't cry much. It's okay, you and Ariana, you know, <laughs> Ariana's also hoping that the Lightning come out with some steely vengeance after the way their season panned out last year. Yeah, I had to do a bit of a switcheroo <laughs> near the end. <laughs> okay, home state, let's get And yeah. I think we'll get to see a lot of Matisse Leatherbarrow that weekend because I don't expect Joe Harton to be back at goal shooter for the Giants. So more fun little, to look forward to. A little um, Sophie-Matisse combo. We know you love that, Dan. <laughs> we do love the uh, long bombs from anywhere with absolutely no blinking, like no care, does not bother them, just like turn and shoot from really anywhere in the third, it feels like at this point in time. I've just realized something. When the Swifts go over to New Zealand, they probably won't have super shots. Wow. Well, that's exciting for some people. <laughs> Those haters out there. <laughs> Stay tuned because uh, we might have some more on that uh, in coming weeks. Um, but for now, we're going to wrap up the uh, episode of Over a Third. So, Ariana, where can people find you on social media? I am Ariana SVRS on Twitter, Instagram. Um, yeah. What about you, Steph? <laughs> My personal Instagram. I mean, oh, if people want to come for you over your, if people want to come for you over your netball takes, where can mm, they find you? True, true. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Steph Ari Ara, which is S T E P H A R I A R A, and Steph Kilpatrick on Insta. And you can find me at at D um, if you want to offer me the England Roses job or take issue with any of my other netball takes. Um, and you can find us at over a third pod on Instagram and Twitter and at edge of the crowd on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, and all of our netball coverage on the website, edge of the crowd.com. So check it out and um, give us a follow on Spotify, Apple podcasts, or wherever else you might be listening to. We are on, I think nine different platforms. So um, if you are one of those people, let us know what platform you're listening on or if we're not on a platform you'd like us to be let us know and we'll have a look and thanks for joining me tonight ariana and um welcome steph great to have you on board and we look forward to plenty more episodes um over a third with you over the next few months um but otherwise thanks for listening and we'll see you all next time